Hello, everyone. You're listening to Your Hired, the podcast hosted by the Bastion Family Center for Career Success at Knox College. I'm Loralee, one of your co-hosts. I'm Matthew. Um, and I'm Business Boy, or Adam. Today, we are joined by Scott Crawford, the Executive Director of Career Development at Knox College, and we're going to be discussing resumes today. So, Scott, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Knox? Uh, So I have been in the career services field for 27 years. Um, I've worked at seven other colleges and universities, a wide variety. And um, I was looking for a a different place to uh, really capstone my career. And, um, you know, I I applied around different different schools, really interested in liberal arts. uh, Schools I've always enjoyed working at a liberal arts college found Knox. I knew about Knox and got the job, applied, got the job. And now I'm here and I'm your, your, uh, your career director, basically. Nice. Well, we love having you here. So one of our questions that we have for you is like, how should one's focus on a resume be shifted between skills and work experience, depending on their career path? So just about every question and what we do has got an it depends uh, as part of it. So for the answer, um, everyone's situation is a little bit different. One thing I think that's really important for students to remember is that a resume is really a promotional tool for you. And it's very much based on the, the place that you apply, the type of industry you're applying in, the employer, uh, the, the job description, intern description, whatever it is. That's all going to vary. And so your resume can't be static and can't go in that same form to all of those different places that you apply. It's got to be tailored to the specific organization. So there's going to be some cases where your skills are going to be more of interest than your work experience. There's going to be places where uh, sometimes your extracurricular activities, you know, your, your professional development, is going to be you know presented as an experience because it's really uh, connected to what you're looking to do and what you're applying for. So I think the main the, the biggest thing for a student to do is to think of all of this as a package. You are a package of what you have to sell, right? And so there's going to be certain employers where you're going to highlight different things based on how connected those are, how relevant they are for the position. And you may apply for a different employer, and you're gonna move things around. One really important, or uh, I think easy way to do this is to create a, um, a long version of your resume. Pretty much put everything you have on there. And then when you get ready to apply for a position, you're gonna adjust that. You know, you can, you're gonna cut and paste, you're gonna change some wording um, based on that job description. And so you're going to highlight some specific skills. You're going to highlight some specific, um, you know, experiences that you have. I'm a big believer that a skills section by itself is a really poor idea. Again, this is a promotional tool for you. You're supposed to promote yourself. So if you can show how you you've used Adobe, whatever, as opposed to just listing Adobe, that's way more important and stronger and more exciting for a recruiter um, than just a list. There should be no sort of laundry list on a resume. That was a long answer, but 
But really quick on that, um, yeah. would you recommend like also making a bunch of bullet points for e- each job or work experience, and then picking between bullet points when you make? Uh huh. I think yeah. So you can adjust that as you're applying for specific positions. So I think a lot of people, and it's not just students, have a tendency to want to put everything that they've done at a particular uh, in a particular position, right? I want to list all the stuff that I've done. I want to sell all of it. That recruiter is only going to read so much. So they're going to you know read the first top you know two or three of those bullets usually. Every, every, literally every word on your resume should have a reason for being there and it should add to your argument for why you're a good candidate for that position. So if there are things on there, maybe let's say you've been in, let's say you're a science major, sciences major, and you're applying for a sales position with a science kind of organization, let's say a pharmaceutical firm. All of your, you know, detailed research things that you've done are probably they're important, but they're less important to that recruiter than um, some of the general kinds of skills that you've developed around the marketing. How have you promoted something? Have you done that? You want to you want to keep some of those research kinds of skills, but not overwhelm your resume with those. You want to show your fit. An easy way to do that is to use keywords that the employer uses in their job description. Um, That's a big, big deal. We could talk about that, but the way you're gonna get through an applicant tracking system these days is to use keywords that the employer, excuse me, uses. And in some ways made it very easy for y'all. You don't necessarily know that, but they're giving you all the clues, right? They're saying, this is what we're looking for. And you can easily show them by using the same terms uh, representing those those kinds of experiences that you fit. Uh, it's not sort of a guessing game for most places. So it's not cheating to like steal some of the words from the job description itself? No, it's not cheating at all, unless it's a lie. So if they want someone that, that's detail oriented and you're not, you can put that in there all day, but it doesn't, it's not gonna help you in that excuse me, in that job <coughs> because you're not going to be very good at it, right? So, but you can adjust the wording that you use to fit the wording that they use. That's going to help you get through that applicant tracking system. I think it's really important that students understand that when you submit your resume, no, it's not going directly to a human being. It's going into a system, an applicant tracking system. Most cases, there are smaller employers, different industries where it is going to go to directly to a human being, right? But increasingly, it's going into a system, especially if you apply online. And when you do that, there's no one sees your resume. No one will ever even know you applied unless it fits some of those keywords that they're using. Because there's someone on the other end that's putting in detail-oriented, you know, Bachelor of Arts, whatever the terms that they're looking for, really from their job description, right? So again, they're giving you the clues. That's how someone's going to see your resume. So we see, let me, let me give you an example of how this, how some students don't do this well. I had a student this morning who I saw on Handshake who had applied for three positions with the same organization, 
A, don't ever do that. Just apply for one. It confuses them. Um, with, and submitted the exact same resume. So that student's chances of getting something at that organization, and, oh, by the way, and they did this all at once. So they all went, they're all, you know, this was over like a minute's time. They're not taking the time, unless they did it in, in, in advance. They're not, well, they're, they, they're, they're not because their resume was all the same. They're not taking the time to do this tailoring part. So their chances are very small that the recruiter is actually going to look at them. Um, if you were job searching in the 80s or the 90s, or even the really early 2000s, um, it was much more of a quantity over quality kind of a thing. How many places can you apply this week, right? So a lot of people had sort of numbers that they were trying to reach because there weren't these applicant tracking systems. It was going out to human beings or reading your stuff. Now it's much more, did you apply to two positions this week really um, optimally, right? Did you do this in that way? That that Your job search will be so much shorter if you do that. So a lot of times you'll hear advice from older people that aren't in this and they're like, oh, just do what I did when I was a kid. Just apply, apply, apply. Well, no, no, no I, I can't say that enough times. <laughs> quick note that I wanted to add is that um, Knox has this system called JobScan that is available for all students to use. And what this does is it kind of mimics the applicant tracking system that a lot of companies use. And so you'll upload your resume and then the job description that you're applying for and it'll compare the two and um, it'll tell you where you need to improve your resume, um, what words you should include so that you can kind of hopefully get past that applicant tracking system and get your resume looked at by a real person. And we're also going to be having a representative from JobScan on the podcast very soon, so be sure to watch out for that episode so that you can learn all about JobScan and how it works and why you should use it. So you said uh, quality over quantity, and with that, how do you, as a, as a new person coming into the job market, take seemingly unrelated entry-level jobs or clubs from college and relate that to um, an actual potential job and career? That's a great question. And you've, you've opened the, the door to a lot of different topics on that. So one thing, um, and this is a good piece of advice, I think, know that there is a human resources person somewhere likely writing that job description. They're writing that job description for the perfect candidate. That perfect candidate sometimes doesn't actually exist or is not applying for that job. So you may not have everything that they're looking for. You may not check all the boxes, right? You may not have as much experience as they're looking for. So if it says one to two years experience and you don't have any, but maybe you have an internship or a couple of courses or something that's you know close to that, then what you do is you, you, you put yourself in that recruiter's shoes. What and, and think and you really look deeply at your experiences and your and your resume. What did I do in this position that is in some way related? How can I connect the dots? That's a hundred percent your job is to connect those dots. So you can't leave it up to the recruiter to do that. 
So I'll give you an example. We have a lot of students who are very active at Knox in um, organizations, you know, outside the classroom and, you know, may have leadership roles or they may be just a member of that organization, but they're doing something within the organization, right? A lot of them don't sell it. So let's say that you're, you're the treasurer of an organization. A, you always have a budget. So you have a number that you can put on there. If your budget is $50, you can say creatively manage $50 to do whatever, right? That's a skill. Um, but is you want to be vivid with that. What did you do with that $50? How did it affect the organization? Um, you know, if you can kind of always try to pull in the results, I did a thing that resulted in something else. And it doesn't have to be an amazing result or, you know, you didn't change the world, but if you did something to encourage something to do someone to take some action, let's say in any way, maybe you work at McDonald's and you put the bathroom key in a different place where it was easier for people to find it. I mean, if you think about that, that's how you're taking initiative, right? You made things better. You changed a, a way that something works. You can sell that. You can sell the crap out of that. And that's really your job is to do that. So most people think of the resume as kind of a list of items, right? It's It shouldn't be. And by the way, you can, nobody, let's go back to McDonald's example. Everyone knows what you do at McDonald's, right? Or that kind of job. You don't have to say that. What you want to do is say what you learned. So your position at McDonald's may not be directly relevant to what you're applying for, right? Or you may not think it is. Maybe you learn to deal, to deal with difficult people. Maybe you learn to balance the cash drawer. Maybe you learn to work in a team uh, to solve problems. You want to think about your skills in a global kind of a way like that and then sell them that way. Here's the, the, the rub on that, the key. Most, I would say very few of your, um, of your competitors nationwide or even in the world are doing that. So you will stand out immediately by taking the, the time to do that. And you'll get an interview so much quicker. So it's not necessarily that you check that box, it's that you show them how you're close to that box. And there's another thing that people hire people, you know, they're not hiring a sheet of paper, right? So your resume is meant to get you an interview. It doesn't get you the job. And that's an important thing to think about. So you're persuading someone to then talk to you and then be ready when they're, you know, have taken the time to do that, to, you know, really go, go deeply into those skills that you've developed. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm wondering like if there's some specific skills that are like universally good to highlight in a resume. Communication skills. Uh, there's, there, there's a lot of, um, research uh, with employers and grad schools and you know that kind of thing as well about what they're looking for you know like I said I've been in this for a long time communication skills has been on the top forever so they want people that can write they want people that can speak that can you know um, can really uh, connect with other people that's a big deal and I all of you are developing those at Knox right that's a big part of what you're developing. So we have a lot of students who think, 
I'm a philosophy major, for example. I don't have any skills that anyone may want in the whatever field, right? I can only do philosophy. That's just absolute swill. Like, that's just not true. Recruiters are looking for good thinkers and people that can make connections and people that can see the big picture in a lot of different ways. And so if you convince them that you have those kind of skills, that's a big deal. Because again, a lot of your competition doesn't. Uh, research skills are important as well. You're developing those also. Uh, I think, you know, communications includes like public speaking. And then some people are gonna want, you know, specific kinds of technology skills. You all are doing this podcast right now. You're developing a skill doing this. And so it's the kind of skills that you're getting from that, I think, that are the most important. It's, some people call them soft skills, you know? They're not like the, I learned to balance a budget kind of a thing. Um, but these are the most important things that recruiters really look for. What advice do you have for somebody with little to no work experience? And what are some things that they can put on their resume to show the employer that they would still be a valuable addition to their team? I'm going to take that from a couple of directions. So the first is I think it's important to start your resume when you're a freshman and you're a first year student, because you can start seeing those holes. Where, what kind of things do I need to do? Um, what kind of things, what kind of experiences do I need to get? What kind of, um, you know, things should I pursue? Recruiters want people who are active. So you can have a 4.0 in whatever your major is and nothing else. And you are the least hireable person on earth because that's nice. You spend all your time getting, you know, your 4.0, but you have nothing else to offer. So I've had some students before that come to me when they're senior and they're like, I have done nothing. And I'm like, we, we need to fix that now. So here's, let's get some experiences now. Let's do some shadowing. Let's do whatever you can do, right? Internships, um, projects, you can do those kind of things. You know, there's a lot of things you do that, uh, it doesn't really matter if you're paid, right? Experience is experience. So if you've done volunteer work, Maybe you've done things with your church. Maybe you've done things with, it could be organizations at school. It can be outside of school. Um, it is coursework. You know, your coursework is relevant. Papers that you've written, research it, that you've done, anything like that can be relevant. There are a lot of students at Knox who have run a business. And it's funny to see sometimes how they don't really sell that. You know, they'll say like, cut five yards or something like that, you know, every summer. Well, that's a business, you know, you created that. You've, you've probably got like a budget for gas and all that kind of stuff that you've done. You actually marketed this, something. You, those yards didn't, ma you know, magically appear. Like you had to do something to get those, those customers, right? And so it's thinking about things, I think in that sort of, in that granular kind of way, that's really important. Um, but on that note, let's say you have been the, the, the treasurer of an organization and you're going into, you really interested in finance or something to do with money or accounting or whatever that can go in your experience section. You know, it doesn't have to go in your professional development section, um, because it's related to what you want to do. So whether you're paid or not, a lot of, sometimes people get stuck on that. Don't worry about that. 
And then if you notice that you don't have anything, right, then do get involved. I have got, or I've had many employers over the years who, you know, contact us and say, we're looking for a candidate for, you know, position X. Can you send me some, some, you know, candidates, whatever. Can you suggest anybody? Invariably, they'll say, I want someone that has at least, whatever their number is, two things that they participated in, two leadership experiences. You know, so that's a big, big, big deal. So it's a great time, especially for a, a younger student to really jump in and do that. On that note, there are students who think that the quantity is versus quality is, you know, an important thing as well there too. I want to join 15 organizations, right? Because that's going to look beautiful on my resume. It looks horrible on your resume. What looks better is, you know, well, it looks horrible if you haven't done anything with them, right? You just participated. Maybe you, you know, nailed a nail in at Habitat for Humanity one Saturday and you never went back. That's not resume worthy, right? Maybe you've done something deeper with them. Maybe you've run the club, maybe whatever, right? You've got to have a higher level of involvement. So leadership is a big deal. You know, if you can't get a leadership position in anything, that's great. Um, but the best time to start thinking about that is, you know, in your um, first year, sophomore, junior kind of thing. But it's not too late if you're a senior, right? On that note, like any other um, general tips to beef up your resume um, or like make it more, more powerful? I think if you can use money and numbers, the... Um, that's always a good thing if you can quantify things. Um, if you really do think about it from a results kind of standpoint, that's a big deal. Once you're done with it, let it sit there, you know, for a day or whatever, and go back and look at it. And again, you know, that's there's a big asterisk on that because it's never done, right? But once you're done with it for a particular position, and then there's a, there's a big empathy uh, thing going on here. Put yourself in the shoes of the person that's reading it. Is this someone that you would want to hire? Is this someone that, you know, fits whatever you're applying for? Did I do the best job I can at really, you know, narrowing things down in a way that's going to be a quick, easy um, read for an employer? Did I spell everything right? Did I use the right phrasing? I think a lot of times if you read something out loud, you're gonna catch mistakes. Same thing for a cover letter. So, you know, actually read your your resume out loud to yourself. You'll find all sorts of strange mistakes um, that way. And then it should look really nice. It should be very easy to read. The bolding should be correct, right? I mean, everything should be parallel. You shouldn't like bold one recruiter or, or one position title and then not bold the other one. And then, my last point is it's not 1985 anymore so you don't need your social security number on there or your birthday or you know any of that junk um and you don't need your hobbies on there either like you know but on that note and i'll give you a personal story i, I was an intern at disney world when i was in college I kept that on my resume for years because people would go right to that and to that and start asking me questions. 
you know, they just assumed I was a certain kind of person, right? Because I worked at Disney World and I must be fun and exciting or whatever. And they were just interested in it. So if you have anything like that, you know, maybe you climbed Mount Everest when you were five with your family. You put keep that on there for a long time. Like that's a good that's a good talking point. Maybe you've run a, a marathon or a triathlon or something. Maybe you were an Eagle Scout. Um, the, the, there, there are some things that you're going to want to keep on there for a while. If you're, uh, if you notice people gravitating towards something, you know, um, pump that part up, right? Like that's something that you can talk about. But the, the, be ready in an interview to talk about everything that you put on that resume. You should have a story ready about it. You should have, you know, examples. You should be ready to sell it once you're in an interview. And if you can't sell it, you're in big trouble. So my last point on that will be don't lie. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you another quick story. When I worked at a school in, in Washington, D.C. years ago, and it was a graduate school. Um, I was in graduate school career services for an MBA program. Anyway, so um, she had an interview uh, with an organization and she had put that she spoke French on her resume. She'd actually only taken you know, French one or something like that in something. And her interviewer turned out to be French. So her interview saw that on her resume and started the interview in French. And this student go very far with that. The, the interviewer stopped the, stopped the interview immediately and said, You're, you've lied on your resume, so this is not continuing, and you better take that off your resume. So don't try to stretch anything, you know, don't try to, uh, if you took, you know, uh, a fifth of a course in, you know, some tech program, don't put that you know it, right? You should, if you speak languages, technology, you should say how well you do them, right? I'm, I'm fluent, semi-fluent, proficient, whatever. Just experience with courses in, that's perfectly fine. But that's a, a real life lesson in, in that. Something that we like to do at the Career Center also on that note is to, we, we won't write your bullet points or your resume for you. Mm -hmm. We'll give you some tips and suggestions for things that can go in and ways you can phrase it. But we always, always say, like, wh whoever we're helping, you gotta rephrase it. You gotta put it in your own words. And you gotta make sure it's... Because we all know you. We all know mm -hmm. what you've done as well as you do. So you need to sell it to us before you can sell it to your future employers. I think that's a really good point because we're not getting that job with you. We're not, you know, you have to be able to back that up, what you put on your on your resume, you know, in your interview, in your job, all that kind of thing. So, no, that's a very good point. And and it, it, it's ultimately unhelpful for you, you know, to have someone else do this for you. Don't have your aunt do it. Don't have, you know, whoever. Uh, I had a student when, student when I was at Johns Hopkins or two students that when I was at Johns Hopkins that asked to pay me to do their resume for them and i gave them the same basic speech right i'm i'm not going to work in that place so you have to do this so a very good point awesome but from from my perspective the main thing someone needs to know is that this is again i said at the beginning this is a sales tool right you have to think about it like that that you're promoting yourself 
And this is the one of the one of the few times in your life where you are free to say fantastic things about yourself. So do it. You know, this is and that's hard for a lot of students. And, you know, that's hard for students in different cultures, too. So there are, you know, there are students in their country where that is just not, you know, kosher at all. They're like, no, I can't do that. So that you have to change your mindset for this, right? Um, but I would encourage all students to come and see us uh, because each situation is different. We can pull out some specific things and that's why we exist is to help you. Like that's literally the only reason that we're here. So. Heck yeah. Thank you, Scott, for being a guest on our podcast and talking about resumes with us. Um, We have a ton of resume resources on our Handshake page for first-year students as well as more experienced workers, so make sure you go to check that out because it is super useful. That's all we have for this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.